This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. What happens? Okay, so we're going to talk about um, two subjects. We're going to talk about Lag Bomer, which is coming up, Mitzvah Hashem. And we're going to talk about this week's parasha. So let's start first with, it's a little deep what I'm going to start off with. We're going to start off with talking about Lag Bomer from a Mishnah. In Pirkei Avos. And the Mishnah says the following. I believe it's in... It's in Perak Bays, And it's in Mishnah Yud Gimel. Okay. So, there were five Talmidim to Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, Rabbi Eliezer ben Horkinus, Rabbi Yeshua ben Hananiah, Rabbi Yosei HaKoyen, Rabbi Shimon ben Nisanel, and Rabbi Elazar ben Arach. And Rabbi Yechonim ben Zakkai gave these five Talmidim a, a mission, a mission to do, to go out into the, into the world and find out what's the most important thing for a person to be successful spiritually as a Jew in this world. Okay. So they went out. Amalahem, Rabbi Yechonim said to these five Talmidim, go out and see What's the best, proper way which a man should cling on to? Devek. Rabbi Eleza Oimer, Ayin Taiva. Most important thing for a person is to have a good eye. What does it mean to have a good eye? To, to see the ball in baseball. A good eye means that whenever you look at a situation, whenever you look at a person, you should see the good in them. Right? You should have a good eye. Everything you look at should be good. It rains, it's good. It's sunny, it's good. It's cloudy, it's good. There's good in everything, right? The earth needs rain, and the earth needs sun, so everything is good. Fine. Rabbi Yeshua, Rabbi Yeshua says, Chaver Tov. Very important to have a good friend, or a friend that's good. Actually, that's what it means. Because you can have a good friend that's a bad guy, a bad person. So you have to have a, you should have a, a friend that's good. Right, chaver tov, a friend tov, that is good. Not a good friend, because a good friend could be a bad, could, could do bad things with you, right? But a friend that is good. That's very important. If you have a friend that's good, you're going to end up in a good place. You, you agree? Absolutely. Muhammad agrees. You can change your life. 100%, a good friend can change your life, absolutely. And you can change their life. It goes back and forth. Rav Yaisi, Aymer, Rav Yaisi says, you can have a good eye, and you can have a good friend, but if you, have a good, if you live in a bad neighborhood, you live in a bad place, you're going to end up being like them. You walk into a fish store, even if you don't buy fish, even if you don't work in the fish store, you walk out, you smell from fish. You walk into Bloomingdale's, you walk through the perfume department, you come home, you smell from perfume, even if you didn't buy from perfume. Even if you didn't buy perfume. Try to stay away from that section. Come home, my clothing smells from perfume, like it's not good. But Shimon Eimer... Rav Shimon says, consequence. You can't live without knowing that there's a consequence. The difference between being an adult and being a teenager is usually that word. An adult thinks about consequence. The older you get, the more you think about consequence. The younger you are, it's like Nike. You know, just do it. That's it. No consequence. So Rav Shimon, Rav Shimon says, a person who sees the future. What does it mean he sees the future? He's not a Navi, but he understands that every action has a reaction. And therefore, he realized that whatever he's going to do, there's going to be a payment plan. I heard a very out-of-the-box explanation for Arroyo Sanailad. Rav Shimon says Arroyo Sanailad. Someone said it doesn't mean seeing consequence, but it means seeing potential. What does that mean? Arroyo Sanailad, a person who looks at a baby. Noilad also means the word born, right? If you look at a baby, it doesn't talk, it doesn't walk, it can't chew. Actually, when it's born, it hardly sees. It just, see, it just sees shadows, right? If you look at a baby, all these things it doesn't do, right? But if you're able to look at a baby and understand its potential, that one day those eyes will learn Torah, those feet will go to shul, those ears, or if you see the future, Roya San he says, what's the good derech? That a person's always looking at their potential. It's a very out-of-the-box translation. I, I don't think you're going to find a Mephoyish that says that. 
When I heard it once from a speech that someone said, a person who looks at a baby and understands that, that even though it can't do anything right now, but one day, the greatness of a human being, what a human being can become. Rabbi Lazar, the fifth Talmud, says, Lev Tov, person has a good heart. What is between a good eye and a good heart? It doesn't mean a good heart that they can run a, a mile. It doesn't mean physically a good heart. But they're just a person that, that, that's good, that, that loves everybody. But what's the difference between an eye, so what's the difference between an eye and a good eye, or a lave type of a good heart? And the answer is, an eye and type is external. Lave is your heart, right? Lave is the inside of you. Inside of you, and the lave pumps blood into all the organs. A person who has a good heart, then everything about them is good. Everything they do is good. Automatically, they look, they, whoever they look at, they have an eye and taiva. A person who's good has good friends. He lives in a good place because a person who's good doesn't want, who has, a, who has a good heart doesn't want to live in a bad place. And a person who's good, this is very interesting. A person is good. What is the, 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 the harayas hanaylad, which means looking at consequence? What's the, what's the biggest consequence in this world? So I just saw, I think it's the Chafetz Chaim that says that, is that the consequence of some, if all the good that's done for you, right? What's the consequence of that? Hakaras Hatov. Appreciating it. A person appreciates it. In other words, Harayas Hanaylan, a person who sees the consequence. What's the consequence that I can breathe? Thank you, Hashem. What's the consequence that I can see? All the different things in life, the consequence is that I owe a Hakaras Hatov. So a person who has a lave toy with a good heart, he's always saying thank you. He's always saying, please. He's always saying, thank you. So he's saying that to Hashem also. So, he said, a good heart. So they went to the Rebbe, sort of like a test. They went to the Rebbe, and they asked, which is, which is, who's right? Good eye, good heart, good friend, good neighbor. Who's right? So the Rebbe said the following. He said to him, Amalahem, Raya ani as dibri el-ozab ben arach midivrechem. I According to me, the, the, the right answer is Rabbi Elazar. What did he say? He said, Leif Taiv. He said, A good heart. Because in his words are your words. So the, the easy explanation for that is that a person has a good heart, has a good eye, has a good friends, has, has appreciation, and, and lives in a good place. So what it seems to be that he's answering here is that all the other things are included in a lave tithe. Now, what does that have to do with Lag Weimar? Okay. So there's a sefer called the Bnei Yisascha, which is a very deep, deep sefer. And he explains it, and he says the following. First of all, he says that you should know, I saw this once somewhere, I don't know where I saw it, but it says that if a person drinks the rain in, in the month of Iyar, if you drink the rain in the month of Iyar, it will heal anything that's wrong with you. Now, I can tell you, I don't know where the safer word says it, but I can tell you that many years ago, I had these dizzy spells and I could not get rid of them. And I remember hearing it, I, I, I saw it also in the safer. So, it was one day, it was pouring, like at 11 o'clock at night on my windows, it was like a rainstorm. And I went outside, I'm going to be sugar today, good they didn't lock me up, and I went outside into the, into the driveway, and I, um, I, I remember I put on my bathrobe because it was pouring, and I stood there with my head up, letting all the water go into my mouth, because I wasn't sure if you could put it in a cup and then drink it. I wasn't sure whatever it is. Anyway, my headaches went away. Okay, but seriously speaking, it's brought down somewhere. We know that ER stands for Ani Hashem Rofecha. I am Hashem, your, your healer. And somewhere, I don't know if it meant if it rains in Eretz Yisrael, because it doesn't usually rain in Eretz Yisrael now, that if it rains in Eretz Yisrael, it'll be Rafur, it'll be anywhere. But someone told me this Shabbos, that he also saw it and says, anywhere you are, the rain in ear, you should drink the water. Okay, don't run into the middle of the street with your, you know, with your head up, trying to drink water, people are going to lock you up. But if you can, if, if it, it, it's brought down, it's far. And he brings it down here, he says that you should know that this month, the, um, the, the mun started coming down in ER, and the mun we know, many farm, and I know there are a lot, there's some people in here that are living into the healthcare, um, and and you, a lot of the, the people in, in natural health talk about this, but I saw it in many stories that most sicknesses come from food. Most sicknesses come from food. So the things that we eat, and today with all the garbage that we, they spray on and everything else, 
But even in the old days, depending on what you eat, it, it brings down most sicknesses come from Machalim, from, from what a person eats. So he says here that nobody got sick in the Midbar because the Mun, right, was pure Ruchnius. It was purely from Hashem. They used to make a, bra- a bracha, Hamoitzi Lechem Min HaShemayim. Not Hamoitzi Lechem Min HaAretz. The bracha on Mun was Hamoitzi Lechem Min HaShemayim. And this Mun was so perfect that there was no Pesoilis. There was no there was no waste in it, so no one went to the bathroom. It was totally absorbed in the avarim, in the in the limbs of all the people that were in the midbar. So this is the month. He says, Alkane, you should know. Alkane Nisha Teva, that it, it, it remained the nature, Kayim Bechodesh Hazeh, Skula It remained in nature in this month of Iyar to be a Skula for Rufua. Also, this is also very interesting, Avra, that the, the month of Iyar also stands for the Aleph is Avram, the Yud is Yitzchak, the other Yud is Yaakov, and the Reish is Rachel. And we know Yechesko, when he saw in his dream the chariot of Hashem, so to say, the four wheels, the four Ragley Merkava, were these Avram, Yitzchak, Yaakov, and Rachel. And he says that before we can be Makabal the Torah, which is coming on Shavuiz, right, you have to have Iyar, because what, why would they call Avos? Why is it called Mesechta's Avos? We learn Pekri Avos. Why is it called Pekri Avos? Because the, the Avos were the representation of the Midos. Avraham was Chesed. Yitzchak was Gvura. Yaakov was Teferos or Emes. Right? And, and we know that Rachel was also Chesed and she also, she overcame her kinna for her sister. So they are the, they are the Midos in Klyestrel. And therefore, Er, has to come before Sivan. Sivan is when we get the Torah. You can't, and, and, and it's definitely a fact. I can tell you, being a Rebbe and being as old as I am and knowing people for a long time, Torah and mitzvos, the only way that they, they are accepted in a person's sort of mechabal in a keli, in a vessel, is if the vessel is created through midos. A person who's angry, right, who learns Torah, the Torah is not going to help him. The 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 the, the keli to be makabel to accept the Torah is a person's midos is chesed and ms and and shalom and shalom bayis. A person who who's screaming at his kids and screaming at his wife and abusive. No matter how much Torah he learns, it can't it can't it, it can't sit in him. It can't change him because the the keli for those midos. Right, the keli for Torah is, is the Midos. Therefore, before you can have Sivan, before you can be Makabal Torah, you have to have Iyar. Iyar stands for Avram, Yitzhak, Yaakov, and, and, and Rachel. Okay, the point that I want to get to is as follows, which is very, very fascinating. So the B'nai Yisrael says, I don't understand this Mishnah. What does he mean? Should, first of all, where did these guys go out to find their answers? Right? He said, go out and find out What's the best way to live your life? Where do they go? To, uh, to the city? To a college? To a philosopher? Right? If I, if I had five Talmudim and I sent them out, where are they going? I have a great question. I sent you out tonight. Where are you going? Rav Chaim Kainesky maybe, right? But, but, but Yechanan was the God of Adar. So where did they go? Where did he send them? Where did they come up with Chaver Tov, Shachain Tov, where did they get their answers from? They just walked outside and said, I think the most important thing is a good friend. No. Where do you go when you look for an answer? Into the Torah. Where do you go in the Torah? To the beginning. So that's what they did. These five Talmudim went into the base of Madrash. They didn't go out into the street to find out. They went into the base of Madrash to find out the answer to the question. So now let me tell you where they got this answer. They said... The Rebbe asked, what is the, what is the best way, toy, what's the toy, what's the best way for a person to live their life? Where does, where's the first time in the Torah that it says the word tov? If we go there, we can find out what's the best way to live your life. So they looked into the Chumash, and the Chumash says the following. He are, and Hashem said there should be light. By he are, and there was light. By yar, Elohim, Esha'ar, Kitov. So the first time in the Torah it says the word Tov, 
The first time in the, in the Torah it says something was good, how did Hashem know it was good? It says, Vayar Elohim Esar Kitov. So the first Tana said, if you want to know what's good in this world, it has to be Ayin Taiva. Because the first time it says the word Taiv, it says Vayar. And Hashem saw that it was good. Must mean that the most important thing to do with the word good is Ayin, is seeing. So he came up with this answer, Ayin Taiva. Beautiful. Beautiful. That was Rabbi Eliezer. Okay. Rabbi Yeshua said, one second. Terry also says that when Hashem created the world, it was dark. Before, and Hashem said it should be light, and Hashem created light. So there was darkness, and then He created light. Why? Because darkness, right, was alone. There was only darkness in the world. So He created a friend. For darkness. And that was light. And that happened before by Yar Kitov. So therefore, he said, The first thing was a Chavrusa. Light and darkness. He created a partner for darkness, which was light. So I think, from the Chumash, the most is very deep stuff. I think from the Chumash, that the first, most important thing is, Chavretov. Beautiful. Rav Yaisi Aymer, Shachin Taiv. Rabbi Yaisi said, No, I think a good neighbor. Why? Because right after it says, Vayar Elokim in the same Pasuk, Esar Kitov, that God saw the light was good, God made a separation between day and night. So he said, What did Hashem do? When the, when it be, when the light goes away, it's dark. When the dark goes away, it's light. So he said, Shachin Tov. He gave the light a good neighbor, which is darkness. He gave darkness a good neighbor, which is light. They live right next to each other. Light and dark live right next to each other. The minute, the, minute the, the light comes up, the dark goes away. The minute it becomes dark, the light goes away. So they're, they're, chavru, they're, they're not chavrusas. They're actually shechenim. They live next to each other. 12 hours a day, there's sun. And then next to him is 12 hours a day of darkness. So he said, chavretov. Beautiful. Rav Shimon no, you're all wrong. A person who sees consequence. Hashem saw that the light that he created was good. There was a consequence to what he created the light. And he saw in the future that light is good. So he saw the consequence. So he said, what is good? The, the consequence of light. So he said, He said, a person who sees the future. So that's how they all came up to their answers. But now we got a problem. The last answer, which is Rabbi Elazar, there's nothing in the Pasik about a heart. So where did he come up to Leif Tov? Where did he come up to a good heart? There's nothing here about a heart. In fact, it doesn't even talk about a heart when Hashem created a human being. So not only... Where does it come from? Rabbi Yechon Mezakai said, it's the best answer. It's the best answer, and all the other answers are included. Where do you see a heart here? So now you'll see Ruch HaKodesh. So where do you see Leif Tov? If I gave you this as an assignment, ladies, I said, why don't you go home and find me in the first five psukim in the Torah, find me a good, where it says Leif Tov. You're going to look, and you're going to look, and you're going to say, Rabbi it doesn't say Leif Tov what it does. And this is what has to do with Lagba Omer. If you count the words, which I'll do for you, from the beginning of the Chumash till the word Tov, till the first time it says ever in the Torah the word good. Veracious is one, Bara is two, Elikim is three, is four, Ace is four, Hashemayim is five, Ace is six, Ha'aretz is seven, Ha'aretz is eight, Haisa is nine, Toyo is 10, Voyo is 11, Choshech is 12, Al is 13, Pnei is 14, Tahom is 15, Ruach is, is 15, did I say 15? It's 15, Elohim is 16, Marchefes is 17, Al is 18, Pnei is 19, Hamayim is 20, Vayomer is 21, Elohim is 22, Yehi is 23, 
Or is 24, Vayihi is 25. Or is 26, Vayar is 27. Elohim is 28, S is 29. Ha'or is 30, Ki is 31. And the word Tov is 32. The 32nd word in the Torah is the word Tov. How do you say 32 in Hebrew? Lamed Beis. Ah. So, the, the 32nd word in the Torah is Tov. Lev Tov. Now, like Baomer, I'm sorry, it's actually, no. The 33rd word is, the 33rd word is Tov. There are 32 words. If you start with Bereshis to the word Ki, Ki is the 32nd word. So Ki equals, you can count it, Ki, till the word Ki is 32, which spells Lev, and the next word is Tov. So Velazo Su and Ruch HaKodesh, right? Now what's the best midah of them all? That leading up to the word Tov is the word Lev, is Lev Tov. Rabbi Yechanan said that all you other ones, Vayar, Vayavdel, they're all included before that 33rd word. So therefore, all your answers of Chabr Tov and Shachin Tov and Arayas and Nailad, right, all these different answers that you have, he said, are all in Lev Tov. Because they're all in the Psukim before Lev Tov. They're all in the words of Lev Tov. So really, the Torah tells us, which is very un- unbelievably important, has a lot to do with the whole, the whole, the whole Lagba Omer, is the most important thing is that the whole Torah is telling you before the word Tov is mentioned in the Torah, the word Lev is there. In fact, if you take the last letter in B'zayish HaBracha, the last word of B'zayish HaBracha is Le'enei Kol Yisrael. So the last letter in our Torah is a Lamed. And the first letter in our Torah is a Bez. Beresh Barah. So the whole Torah is a Lev. The whole Torah is about a person's heart. And if a person's heart is not good, if a person is a mean person, and he doesn't have Ben Adam Lechavero, then the whole Torah, can't, you can't have the Torah. There's nothing there. Without a Leif Torah, there's nothing there. In fact, the next Mishnah, in Pekah says, he asks his Talmud, what is the worst thing a person can have? And one said, Ayin Ra, and one said, Chavar Ra, and one said, Shachin Ra, and one said, a person who borrows money doesn't pay back. And the last one, Rabbi Lazar said, Leif Ra, Someone has a bad heart. And Rabbi Yechanan said, if a person has a bad heart, he will automatically have bad friends, bad neighborhood, no consequence, and a bad eye. Lag Ba'omer is the 33rd day, which is also the 33rd letter in the Torah, which is Tov. Lag Ba'omer, what happened to Lag Ba'omer, ladies? They stopped dying. Why were they dying until Lag Ba'omer? Because of Benadam Chavero. Because they didn't treat each other correctly. So finally, by Lagba Omer, they came to a level of Lev Tov. Once they came to a level of Lev Tov, there was no one dying anymore. So the, the whole Svira, the whole counting until Matan Torah, the main thing is that a person has a good heart. And that a person treats another person correctly. And it was just very interesting. Someone told me today that um, being humble is not not thinking that you are great, but thinking that others are greater. People think, like, why should I be, should be an unov? All the therapists will tell you. I should walk around and say, I'm a nobody, and I'm a nothing, and I'm nobody, and I'm nowhere. You're going to get depressed. It's actuous. It's a satan. You're not supposed to get depressed, but then then if if I'm a big shot... That's also no good. So this is, this is the answer. The answer is, you should talk to think that you're amazing. And you should talk to think you have unbelievable potential. And you could, and you should think that you could change the world. But you can think as amazing as I am, right? Everybody's even more amazing. That doesn't depress you. Unless, you're jealous. And that's already a bad mida. So in other words, it doesn't bother me if I am great. And you are greater. Right? Unless I have something wrong in my midos, it doesn't bother me. It bothers me if I'm no good. Then I'm going to walk around depressed, I'm no good. There's a, there's a very famous story that there was this Jew in a shul. And for 20 years, he used to get up in the middle of davening and he used to say, Ich bin I'm nothing, I'm a worm. 
and people are saying like, wow, this guy is such a big honor. He's so unbelievably modest, right? Guy gets up in shul, calls himself a worm, calls himself nothing. One day, this young guy comes to shul, new guy in shul, and he sees this guy screaming in the middle of chakras, I'm a nobody, I'm a worm. He says, you know what? I like what this guy's doing. So the next day, he gets up in shul, in the middle of davening, and he starts screaming, I'm a nobody, I'm a garnish, I'm a worm. This guy, this guy who's doing it for 20 years, runs over to him and says, Chutzif! You know how long it took me to be a nothing? You think you could just walk in here and be a nothing in a moment? <laughs> so he wasn't being a nothing. The whole thing was a show. You understand? So when a person's, when, we, when we're, we're supposed to think we're great. Everyone in this room is supposed to think they're unbelievable. You can change the whole world. You can bring Mashiach. You're not supposed to walk around and say, well, nobody, I'm no good, I do a various all the time, I'm depressed, that's atzvus, that's, that's the satan, that's, that's depression, that's the destruction of a human being. It's supposed to be just the opposite. I can do anything, I can change the world, but as much as I can do, she could probably do more. That should not bother you. That should make you feel good about the other person. Wow! I can do this! I can hit a home run! She can hit a grand slam! Don't you want to have someone on your team that can hit a grand slam? I'm talking baseball, but okay, right? I can hit a home run, and then it wouldn't bother me if I'm on a team and we want to win the World Series, right? And all of a sudden, the owner of the team just paid for a guy to come. He's a superstar, right? He has the most home runs in baseball. When I sit there and say, oh, man, I hit home runs, but but he hits grand slams. I don't want him on my team. Of course I want him on my team. I want to be in the World Series. I want to get the ring. I want to get the ring. I want to to win the World Series. I want to be famous. This guy's going to help me be famous. That's the psychology that we as Jews have to have. That, that we're on a team. And as great as I am, I want someone on my team that's even greater. Because that lady is going to help the team bring Mashiach. But if you're walking around saying like, why is she greater than me? Then you're not a team player. Then your objective is nothing to do with Klai Yisrael. Your objective is just self-motive, self, you want to go somewhere. But nothing to do with the team, just the opposite. You should be so happy if there's someone who dominates better than you, if there's someone that's learning better than you. That's why it says, Kinah Seifim is allowed. It's just the opposite. If you're not, then you're not part of the team. I would be very excited if somebody came over to me. I just told somebody, somebody wants to open a, a school like mine somewhere else, my BCA. So they were like, I don't know, are you going to, you, you know, we, we want to come to you and, and get information for you how to run such a school. But, but we're your competi- we, we competition. We're opening the same kind of school as you. So we don't know if we're ever if you're going to tell us how you do this. And I'm like, are you kidding me? They're like, yeah, we understand if you don't want to tell us, you know, your secrets on how you do this and how to, how to form such a school. Because once we get that school, and they're, they're, I'm not going to say where they are, but they're in a much nicer place than Brooklyn. Right? And a lot of people are going to go to that school. So I'm like, but we're a team. So I don't care. I don't care if every girl in my school goes to your school. If they're going to do good there, that's all I care about. I got what to do if my school closes. I'm like, I don't, I don't think that way. We're, we're, we're all one team. So if you, t- if you can get 20 other girls and you're doing the same thing I'm doing, who cares? Fine. I can't run your school. I can't run more than one school. But just the opposite. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a way of thinking. And if you think like that, you're not jealous just the opposite. You want to help the other person to be greater. So that's modesty. That's humbleness. Humbleness is not walking around, I'm stupid, I can't do anything, I'm, I'm this and I'm that, and oh, you see, I'm a big honor. No, you have to walk around, you can do anything. But if someone else can do even more, you have to be, wow, Hashem, thank you for bringing this person into the world. Now, we have a home run hitter. Now, Mashiach's going to come faster. What are you getting upset about? Why are you jealous of this girl? Why are you jealous that she's married and you're not? Just the opposite. She's married, Baruch Hashem. She's married. She's going to bring children, more Jewish souls, more Torah, more Torah. Mitzvah Hashem, whenever I get married, I get married. But because because she's married and you're not married, we're on the same team. So if we're on the same team and she's getting married, she's having children, so she's helping Klai Yisrael. 
So whenever my chance comes, I'll be very happy about it. What are you, what are you jealous about? You're jealous because you're not a team player. You're jealous because you don't understand. And therefore, I had a lot of discussions this week. I'm not going to have that much time to talk about. It was a crazy week this week. I don't know. The, we're, we're going off the wall. Kids are just leaving Yiddishkeit and Chal Shabbos and from the, from the frumest homes, from the craziest places. It doesn't stop. It doesn't stop. I had a very big vikuach, a very big, um, I don't know if I have time to talk about it, very big debate with a very smart girl this week who's a, She's not an atheist. She's agnostic. I said, what's the difference? She said, an atheist doesn't believe in God. She says, I don't believe you can prove God, but I also don't believe that I could disprove God. So I'm sort of in the middle. In other words, an atheist says there is no God. She said, I'm not saying there is no God. I'm saying you can't prove God. But I'm also saying if you're going to turn around and say, well, prove me there isn't a God, I can't do that either. So this was like a very interesting 16-year-old, very, very smart girl, and I had a, a long discussion with her, and it was it was uh, it was interesting because I, I told her I was bringing my proof. You can't argue with the proofs, but but I, I was talking to her about about Picasso, and I said that um, she, she said you can't prove to me God. So I said I could prove to you God, but did you look for him? In, in other words, if you're walking into a room and saying that I don't believe in God, like did you, it's, it, did you look for him? Did you did you Check for him. Did you did you learn how to find him? It's like me saying I don't believe in bacteria. I don't believe in bacteria. I never saw bacteria. You saw bacteria? Maybe you're biology students. I never saw bacteria. I'm in a room. I'm sure there's a lot of good bacteria in this room and bad bacteria. All kinds of stuff flying around. If we could see it, we'd be ducking and running. Trust me. Every time someone sneezes, right? We's like a million things flying around. Oh, ow, ooh, ow, right? So we don't do that, right? Because we don't see. So I don't believe in. I don't believe in it. So you would say, right, Wallstein? Come on, we're not coming to your share anymore. Get a microscope. Take a, a drop of blood, put it under the microscope, take a piece of mold, look what's going on over there, right? Under a microscope, get these little monsters. I did, I did, I did, I was very into microscopes and chemistry sets, right? Take a look at a piece of mold, get these, like, like, it looks like the Colorado Rockies, right? It's amazing, right? So, so that I can't see it. So if I really want to know about bacteria, I would go to school to learn about bacteria. I said, you, you're out of school. She's out of school. She's out of Jewish school. You're out of Jewish school. You, you gave up looking like, like, so she says to me, so, so, so you study God? So how do you study God? Like, you can't see him. How do you study God? And I'm like, how do you start, how do you study Picasso? Picasso's not alive. How do you study Picasso? You can't talk to him. You can't ask him questions. You study his paintings. And any girl that went to art school, and studied Picasso's paintings, knows exactly his brush stroke right to left, vertical and horizontal. You know the, the colors that he uses, the canvas that he uses. Not only that, if I put you in a room with a hundred paintings, you can not only tell me what's Picasso, but you can tell me the fake Picassos. The better you are in studying art, where do we go when we get a piece of Picasso? We find it in an attic in Missouri. And it says Picasso on the bottom. And the lady's like, oh my God, garage sale. I just bought a Picasso for $5. Where do we go? We go to the specialists. Maybe to the Louvre in France. We go to the specialists, to the people who know Picasso inside out. And they can look at it and they could say, it's an original or it's a very, very good copy. But it's not the original. My hi, how do you know? Who told you? And the answer is, they never met Picasso but they studied his works. And through the, his works, they understand They understand exactly how he paints and when he doesn't paint and what kind of canvas he used. And the canvas that this thing was painted on is not in the year, the canvas that he, that he painted on. And they do litmus tests. And what year was... And there's a lot of ways of finding out. I said, you didn't do a litmus test on God. You didn't study God. Where, where are you coming from? I'm like, you don't know anything about him. So she says to me, so how do you study God? So I said real way to study God is through his Torah. So if you if you see Gematrius and you see that that 33rd word is Tav, Lays Tav, it doesn't just happen. That the 32, after 32 words that spell Lave comes the word Turb and the last word is Resh and the first word is Bays and, and I mean is, is is Lamed and it happens to come out to labor. All these things happen to come out, and the Balatrum has a million different gematrias that happen to come out. So after a while, if you learn Tyra, right, you see that there's definitely some intelligence way, way above us. 
okay, but you know, I can't tell this girl that, you know, she's not learning Torah. I said, but if you study God's nature, right, which the, the, the Goyim, the scientists, I'm saying the Goyim, because some of the scientists are Jewish. For instance, I talk about this, we're going into the summer right now, right? So I'm very, fa- I'm very fascinated by insects, by bugs, by animals. I'm into all this stuff. So when I was growing up as a kid in Muncie, we had, during the summer, there were all these fireflies. We used to call them lightning bugs, but they don't call them lightning bugs. They call them fireflies. And I was amazed. Why would Hashem put a light, right, in the tail, tail light of a bug, right? And we used to collect them, you know, you put them in the jar, make the holes, Right, Sab al-Chaim, those poor little bugs. And I used to remember, I had this book, and I would tell my brother that I could read my book at night with my jar of fireflies. Of course, it didn't work, because they don't all flash at the same time. And when they finally flash, you can read one word, and then it gets dark, and they flash, and read one word, and they get dark, and then they're like, ha-ha, we're not flashing for the next two hours, right? So, but Levi says Sab al-Chaim, and I, you have to let them go. But it's pretty fascinating. And the size of the bug is a mosquito. It's a teeny little bug. So I thought as a kid to myself, God created the world. Why would he put a light, right? I don't want to use the word, in the back, right? In the back of a bug. If you're going to put the light in the back of a bug, put it in the back of a mosquito. So when he's flying at night, he wants to bite me, and he lights up, whack, right? What? That would be good if you put it in the back of or a spider. Imagine you see this little glowing thing crawling up your wall, right? In the middle of the night, you whack it. But he didn't put no light in a spider, right? So they can, you know... I can't believe it. I saw it in a book. It's not true. That during your lifetime, you just swallow like, I don't know, six, seven hundred spiders. Ah, I don't believe such a thing. I, I, I can't believe that. That's what it says in the book. But I don't know. Maybe the guy lived out in Arkansas somewhere. But anyway, so, so, so I went and I Googled it. And I checked it out. How come fireflies light up? I don't just take that for granted. Because first of all, how do they light up? All the people in this room, you have seen a firefly. How come it didn't bother you? No batteries, no electricity. How does something light up? How does a bug light up? How come it didn't bother you? Just you just let them fly around? Hashem, how does a bug light up? And why that bug and not an elephant or a hippopotamus or a bird? Nothing else in the world except some stuff on the bottom of the sea. See, I did my homework, right? But nothing above the sea in our world lights up. Except one bug called a firefly. So I checked into it. Why? So, this is what it says. The firefly has in it something called chlorophyll, chlorosomething, right? Which causes the blood in the firefly to be extremely bitter. It's very bitter blood. Now, in the insect world, you're like, like, already, I came here for a shear, not for this. But you came for this, trust me. In the insect world, insects eat each other, and you can check this out. I can't be making this up. They eat each other at night. Interesting. Not during the day, at night. And what do they do? The big bugs eat the little bugs, we eat the smaller bugs, we eat the smaller bugs, just like the way it works in the Africa and it works in the animals, right? The big corporation in America eats the little corporation, eats the little corporation, eats the other corporation, right? That's the way the world, the big, you know, that's how it works. So the big bug eats the little bug, he eats the other... First he eats the little bug, he gets a little bigger, and then the big bug gets him. Now, interestingly enough, they eat him from the back. They get him from the back, crunchy, right? And that's how they eat him. But there's a problem with the firefly. Because the bugs, when they bite into the firefly to eat it, it's a little bug, it's not a big bug. It's so bitter, you can read this, it's so bitter that they can't eat it. It's disgusting. So they spit it out. So, this is what it says. Mother Nature, which translates to Father HaKadosh Baruch Hu, okay, same thing. Mother Nature and Father HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the same thing, right? Father HaKadosh Baruch Hu, or Mother Nature, this is what the scientists are writing, realized that in the chain, the firefly does not belong in the chain because when it's killed, it's spit out. And the whole reason the way nature created the world is that each bug eats the other one so that it can continue living. But if it's going to bite the firefly and spit it out, so the firefly is being murdered, killed, decapitated for no reason. Because no one's eating it. 
So it's going to be killed and then spit out. So Mother Nature, Father God, put a little light bulb. It's not a light bulb, but a little light in the back of this bug. Listen to this. So that it shouldn't be killed for no reason. So the big bug is following this bug. And it's like, oh, I'm hungry. Right? And all of a sudden, light. Oh, no. Ugh. Flies away. So I told this girl, I'm like, one of the tinest, one of the things of the people who don't believe in Hashem, they, some of them even, they admit that a, a higher power created the world, right? But then he left. The, the, Amalek does not say that Hashem didn't create the world. Amalek says there's no Hashkacha practice. In other words, stuff happens. You don't get sick for a reason. You don't get better for a reason. You don't get rich for a reason. Stuff happens. Earthquakes happen. God has nothing to do with it. He created a world, put it on a Shabbos clock. Bye-bye. It runs itself. And he knew that, you know, how it's going to run. It's going to last for a certain amount of years. And the sun's going to come up. The sun's going to go down. Everything is, is, mother, is mother nature. So I said, the biggest proof of Hashkacha Pratis, right, is that God cares. God cares about a bug that's smaller than a mosquito. That it shouldn't, its life should not be wasted, should not be killed for no reason. Do you think that if he put, and, and, and what did he create here? We still don't really understand how it works. They try to explain how it works, this electricity through the chlorophyll, and, and it's also used for mating, and, 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 and it, 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 it sends a sort of message to its tail, which lights it up. At Lamaison, no one really knows how it lights up. Right? So he, he created a light, an R, in the back of an insect, a trefer, nothing insect, a little teeny bug. He created an R, a whole new creation, so a bug with a light. He created a whole creation for this little bug so that at some point he shouldn't be eaten for no reason. And I believe that a whole firefly's life may be three days. Okay? So maybe it's going to be killed within those three days for no reason because Bokhu created this whole thing, a light. And every summer, you're in the mountains or even in the city, and Hashem is flashing at you. I love you, and I care about you, and I don't want you to get eaten by someone else, and I don't want you to get beaten. Here, I'm sending you all these flies and all these bugs to flash in your face, human beings, to see that I created a light in a bug to show you that every life counts. Even a little bug's life counts. Sounds like a Disney show, movie. But right? Even a little bug's life counts. What a lesson. From what? That's just, just, just one insect. I'm not going to the butterfly. I'm not talking about the pearl. And I, and I spoke to this girl and I said, and if you study Hashem's amazing Bria, then you could walk out in the morning and look up at the sky and you could know without God signing Yudke Vavke on the bottom, Whose signature? Who is the artist? Who is the musician? I am a musician, but I did not study classical music. Okay? I didn't. I didn't study Beethoven. We all know anyone who plays piano, Beethoven's fifth, everyone knows that, right? But Mary had a little lamb, but I didn't study music. So, so if you play something in this room, right, I might say, put on Shrekky. What kind of music is that? I like, you know, I like music with action. Put on Trekkie. And the maestro sitting here, he's like, Wallerstein, with all respect to Trekkie, I love you. I know you're going to hear this tape. It's nothing against you. But you're not Beethoven, with all respect, right? So the guy standing in the back, he's like, Wallerstein, you're so intelligent. You're talking to all these girls? And you're telling me to turn off Beethoven? To put on Trekkie? Do you, do, you, do you know what classical masterpiece? And he, I believe he was deaf. Right? And he wrote the fifth and all the other movements that he wrote. You're telling me to turn that off? And the answer is yes, because, because I didn't study music and that sounds very slow. And I like, right? And he's like, Mister, you don't know anything about music. And the answer is yes, I didn't study music. I didn't go to music school. But if I went to music school, you could put on any song, any, any beautiful, and I'll tell you who the composer is. And you know, there's, a, there's always that famous story. I forgot who he was, a very famous, um, Conductor, and was the Boston Pops? I don't know which one it was. It's a very famous story. What? No, it wasn't Fiedler. Fiedler was the Boston Pops. Yeah, no, he wasn't Fiedler. Well, I don't, I don't remember who he was, but he was a very, very famous maestro, a very, very famous conductor, and he bought his wife bought him 
for like his 70th birthday, he was retired. It's a very famous story. She bought him um, uh, a recording of a concert that was put on in one of these big cities, and it was called A, Th- a Thousand Strings. No, A Hundred Strings. A Hundred Strings or A Thousand Strings? I think it was a hundred, maybe it was a hundred strings. A hundred violins. With a hundred violins. And he was a whole concert with a hundred violins. And he's listening. It's a very famous story. And all of a sudden he jumps up and he says, It's a false! It's not real! There are only 99. Because I said, What are you talking about? It's, it's a, he bought, she bought a record. It says a hundred violins. Very, very famous concert that was given. Right? He says, I'm telling you, I know what I'm talking about. There are only 99. She says, you, you can't hear the difference between 99 and 100. He says, we're going to find out the truth. It's a very famous story. And he checked into it and he called up the maestro, whatever it is. And the maestro said, yes, it was a concert of 100 violins. But one guy didn't show up. There are only 99. He said, I could tell the difference between 99 violins and 100 violins. That's a person who studies music, who understands music, if there's one missing. And therefore, the person who gave this shear said that if you think anyone in this room that you don't count in God's assemblage, in, in God's concert of the earth, every single day, every one of us is a violin. And if you say to yourself, well, what's the difference? There's 8 million Jews or 9 million Jews. So if I don't keep Shabbos, so if I'm not Sneers, so if I'm a little depressed and I don't dive in, so if I go off the derech, God, you got so many other people? The answer is no. God jumps out of, this is what this person said. God, God, God jumps out of his Kisiyah Kavod and says, there's one missing. I know what it sounds like when they're all davening. I know what it sounds like when all their hearts are beating together. One of them, their hearts are not beating together with the rest of them. There's one missing. The only one that knows that there's one missing is the conductor. And who's the conductor of the world? HaKadosh Baruch So every single person needs to know that you're part of this orchestra. And if there's one of us missing, God, who's the conductor, jumps out of his chair and says, No, no, no! There's one of them missing. Let's find out who's missing. And Akash Baruch who cares about a little bug, the life of a little bug, that he creates a light for that bug to be protected. Allah has kama bakama, how surely and surely he cares about every single person in this room. I just want to end with actually from Chicken Soup of the Soul, something that I have been saying for a very long time. But you know, even when you say things, until you see it in print. So a very, very, a very, very good line. I said it last night, but I think it's it's a proof. It's a proof to what I've been saying for years. Of course, now I'm not going to find it, but I know it by heart. So what it says is like this. I'd like to read it from inside, but it says the following. It says, oh, come on, where are you? Well, we all know this one. Whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. We all know that one, right? Anyway, it says, don't focus on where you fall. Here it is. Yep. Okay. Don't look where you fall, but look where you slipped. What does that mean? Don't look where you fall, but look where you slipped. So I've been talking about this for a long time. I spoke to the boys about this a lot last night. We're all trying to fix, right? We're all trying to fix the symptoms. I'm depressed. Someone's doing chachshom drugs. Someone's going through a crisis. All these different things that we go through, right? So we go and we try to fix this, and we try to fix that, and we try to fix that. I always tell everybody, it's not the drugs that you need to fix. The drugs is anesthesia. It's not the depression that you need to fix. It's what's causing the depression that you need to fix. It's what's causing the person. Human beings are always trying to fix the effect. You fell. You broke your arm, chas v'shalom. Right? So you're focused on, I fell on this piece of concrete. Oh my gosh, I broke my arm. But that's not going to help you. Because it's not the piece of concrete that broke your arm. Oh my gosh, chas v'shalom. I broke my arm. Where'd you break it? I fell on a piece of concrete. I fell on a stone. I fell on a step. No. That's not what broke your arm. 
what broke your arm is where you slipped, not where you fell. So if you have a piece of ice on the road and you slip on the ice and then you fall to the concrete, if you don't fix the piece of ice, guess what? You're going to fall again and again and again and again. And you're going to keep saying, oh my gosh, this piece of concrete. There's nothing wrong with the piece of concrete. Piece of concrete is just a piece of concrete. You have to fix what caused you to fall. What this saying is saying, don't focus on where you fell. Focus on where you slipped. Focus on what caused you, Chatzashom, to go off the derech. Everyone is, oh my gosh, Rabbi Wallace, today was, this week was not normal. Just a parade in my office. Chilo Shabbos, atheism, girls, 14, 15, 16. It was unbelievable. And what are we going to do? What are we going to do? This kid got kicked out of this high school. This two kids got kicked out of that high school. This kid, it, it didn't stop. My mom, I didn't have like two minutes. And so everyone, the teacher, the teacher was there today. And she's like, you have to help me. She's Mechal Shabbos. She's from a from family. She's Mechal Shabbos. She's on her phone a whole Shabbos. And also we did, the parents and grandparents, are, they're freaking out. They threw her out of the house. I said, it's not the Chilo Shabbos that's the problem. It's what caused the Chil Shabbos. That's the problem. And then they're going to fix the Chil Shabbos. So she'll say, okay, I'll do a different Avera. What's causing this kid to be Mechal Shabbos? Abuse? Low self-esteem? Not doing well in school? A friend really hurt her? No friends at all? What's the cause? And the teacher's looking at me like, I'm like, what do you mean you're not worried about the Chil Shabbos? I'm like, because like, if I'm going to fix the Chil Shabbos, it's going to come out somewhere else. If I fix where it's coming, if I know where she slipped, and I fix where she slipped, she's not going to slip anymore. Because one time you slip, you break your arm. Next time you slip, you break your foot. Next time you slip, you break your head. So I got to stop you from slipping. So we're all very busy with the effect. Therapy, and I'm nothing against therapy, don't get me wrong. We have to switch our, th- our therapeutic minds. And stop worrying about the things that the person's doing. We gotta go to the root of where did she slip? Not what she's doing. The kid's doing drugs because he's in pain and needs anesthesia. So if you're gonna get him off drugs, you're gonna start gambling. You're gonna get him off gambling, you're gonna do something even crazier. So you gotta find out why is this boy in pain? Fix the pain. You don't need anesthesia anymore. Godless, what it says here in this book. Don't focus on where you fall. Focus on where you slip. And if you can fix where you slip, then you won't fall anymore. That's the godless. So my bracha to everyone here is that you should never slip. And you should never fall. And that now till Shavuot, everybody here should work on a lifetime. But at the same time, everybody here should know that you're the greatest thing that ever happened to God. And that's why you're in this world. Oh, so it'd be a big shot? No. But the girl next to me is even greater. And I'm not upset about that. I'm happy about that. I am happy that every Jewish person in this world is on my team. Because if we're all on the same team, and we have people who hit home runs, and people who hit grand slams, and people who hit singles and doubles and triples, because every Jew is different, right? And people who can catch the ball, and people who can walk, and people who can pitch, and people who can play first base and third base, and a third base, not a first baseman, and an outfield. I don't know how to give this over to girls in a better way, right? Except baseball. I, I don't know how to give it off in a... You know, Machanayim game, I don't know the game that well, right? So, but in a baseball, you, you, each position, a left fielder doesn't play this position, so this girl has this kayak, and this girl has that kayak, and this girl has that kayak, but together, together we're gonna to win the World Series. Together we're gonna to bring Mashiach. And that's our objective. So, my bracha to everyone is that we taka should not slip anymore, we should all work as a team, and everyone by the time we get to Shavuos, or by the time we get to Lag Bomer, should have a leif toiv, and if they have a leif toiv, it'll include an iron toiv, a good eye, good friends, good neighbors, and a person who understands consequence. Slacharava. You've just experienced another Torah class, brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.